And when I decide when I lead the team that leads King's Arms and lead uh, Catalyst Network, which is about 300 churches that we're part of. And uh, so I get the privilege to speak. Someone's giving me a battery because my iPad's running low on, bat on the battery. So uh, depending on how the talk goes, you can either pray that my iPad lasts or pray that it runs out. Um, so we'll see however it goes. Um, oh, PJ forgot to take up the offering. So um, after such a great announcement, now you can give. Well, we're still making mistakes, it's still not ready. I wonder if our two can take up the offering, please be generously, etc. etc. Brilliant. I think it was all recorded, so you can get to see that at home as well. It's all real here. Um, so it's great. Well, one of the uh, one of the kind of foundational uh, changes for me in my journey of following Jesus. Uh, was when I reread Jesus' original words, which were, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I had read and heard those words for many, many years, uh, always thinking I, under I understood them, uh, uh, because I understood them as repent means, well, that means say sorry, so say sorry because God's kingdom is at hand. You know, repent for your sins, say sorry for your sins. I'd done that endlessly uh, uh, growing up and then later in life. And then I suddenly understood that repent didn't mean that at all. Yeah, saying sorry might be a part of it, but really a minor part of it. The word repent, metanoia, in the original language means turn around. It means think differently. Think differently because God's kingdom is at hand. And that revelation has changed the trajectory of my life. Because what I realized, what Jesus was doing with his disciples, was he was challenging them to think differently about everything. He was saying, God's kingdom has come, and now you have got to think differently about everything. Everything has changed. It might look the same on the surface, but actually everything has changed. You've got to think differently. And it's caused me to think differently about God, about the universe, about recycling, about sex, that's a whole other message, about, about life and about death and about discipleship and about people. It's caused me to think differently about everything. And I imagine for some of you who are, who are believers here, you've been, you've been on the same journey. If you're not a believer yet, you come along today and you're just exploring these things. Then this word repentance is absolutely critical for you to understand. But I'll tell you, the, the area where we struggle most, I think, to think differently is when it comes to this issue of money. Think differently about money. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, applies to every area of our lives, and no less so than this area of money. The area of money is a massive area where we need to think differently. And I don't know if, you, if you've ever uh, come across uh, this, this word... The word that, that kind of gets banded around is syncretism. And syncretism means to merge two different worldviews together, to kind of mix belief systems together. And, and we will probably look down on uh, tribes in various parts of the world who, who say that they're Christians, but when they're sick they still go to the witch doctor. But that's syncretism, that's mixing two different beliefs together. And we kind of look down on that. I wonder if those same tribes would look back at us and say... You're just as syncretistic as we are. Have you mixed your beliefs about money into Christianity? Have you mixed your beliefs about how money should operate in your life into Christianity? We, we judge them, as it were, for mixing a belief in witch doctors with Christianity, but perhaps they would look back at us and say, well, you're just as syncretistic as we are, because you've mixed a belief about money in with your Christian faith. Have we? You know, 
the Bible, some people say, says that money is an idol. But actually the Bible never says that. What it says is that money reveals your idol. It doesn't say that money itself is an idol. It says that money reveals your idol. I think that summarizes the teaching of the Bible about money. And Jesus, when he came to teach people to repent, loved to speak about money. Some people think that Jesus was uptight about money. He was not uptight about money at all. He loved to speak about money. In fact, 15% of the time, Jesus spoke about money. One in every six times he opened his mouth, he was speaking about money. If you think it's awkward in here now, imagine walking around with Jesus. <laughs> imagine walking around with Jesus because he was talking about money all the time. He loved to speak about money. Why? Because he was doing something in his disciples. He was teaching them to repent. To repent, to look in their hearts, and to allow God to change them in their view of money. I don't know about you, but I need help. I need help to really look differently. Because it's easy for me to see other people's idols. It's easy to see where other people go wrong. It's less easy to see where we go wrong. It's less easy to see, isn't it? Why don't you just stand to your feet for a moment? Let's just, let's just pray. <coughs> It's genuinely, and you can use this moment to pray for my iPad to run out of battery. Or you can use this moment to genuinely pray, God, speak to my heart. God, speak to my heart. Lord, we just come humbly to you today and say, Lord, speak to our hearts. Speak into our hearts and speak to us on this most uh, difficult, awkward in some senses subject, but important subject of money. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Come and teach us, come and change us, not for our harm, but for our good. And we just thank you that you love to do it. You love to transform us into your likeness. And we pray, speak to us, Jesus. Let these words that I read of yours cut to our hearts again as they would have done to the earliest hearers. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Repent. Think differently about money. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat on a three-legged chair. I know this is a four-legged chair. But if you've ever sat on a three-legged chair you'll know that they are inherently unstable. I, I, one of my best moments in King's Arms history was worshipping back in the days when we were at the school hall in Damas, worshipping happily, uh, enjoying the music, worshipping God, and then suddenly the drummer disappeared. I mean, he was there one minute and he was gone the next. Happily drumming one minute and the next he was gone. I thought it might be the transfiguration that he was literally raptured uh, uh, in front of our eyes. But actually what happened was he fell off his three-legged stool. <laughs> he fell off his stool, but I hadn't realised that. And so to me, he just disappeared. But the next thing I saw was he gradually reappeared, still drumming. That was the impressive bit about it. He kept drumming right the way through the whole thing, like this, and then standing up and pulling up his, his stool underneath him. Three-legged chairs are inherently unstable. They're just waiting for you to fall off them. Which is why I think Jesus, when he talked about this issue of finance and money, gave us four legs to sit on. He gave us a foundation to sit on, which consisted of four things. And these four things, as we look at them this morning, are absolutely radical when we think about this issue of money. Four things that Jesus talked about that transform us when we, when we think about money. Four things that we need to, as it were, repent, to change our thinking about. The, the first one is the source of our money. The world says this, I depend on myself, I depend perhaps on my family or friends around me, but fundamentally, I am the source of my money. Whereas the kingdom thinking that Jesus was bringing was the Father provides. Listen to his words in Matthew 6, 
as he taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Father provides. Matthew 6 verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The biggest mind shift that Jesus wants to give us is this, the source of our money, Father provides. Father provides. And it's the thing that the, the, every infant needs to discover. You know, when our kids were born and I'd be holding them, happily having a time with Dad, their mum would walk in the room and suddenly they're... Where is she? Where is she? I mean, they weren't speaking, also, they were But they were like this. And then Caroline would say, Whoa, the milk's just come in. There's this, like, this connection. They knew mum provides. That's the, that's the foundational lesson of any infant, isn't it? Mum provides. Where is it? Where's the milk? Where is the milk? And then later they learn dad to provide, and then ultimately praise the Lord, granddad to provide. That's just the genius moment that we all enjoy as, as parents. But there's this moment, isn't it, that every infant has to discover. My parents provide for me. And, and you know what? Social workers and teachers who are amongst us today will speak uh, of the devastation that they are cleaning up of children who have never understood that. The, the world is full of people who are broken at the deepest level because they never got that. Their, their parents didn't provide for them in that place, and so they never got that message. And it's left this gaping hole that nothing can fill. I want to say there is so much truth of that for the church. Because when you were born again, as it were, into the church, the first thing that you should have realised, the first thing, one of the first things that Jesus taught his disciples was this, Father provides. And if you haven't got that, if you haven't understood that, there will be a deep, deep fracture in your spiritual growth. A deep fracture in your spiritual growth. I know because I live with it. My family upbringing had a, had a very strange upbringing, upbringing concerning money. My, my money was never spoken about in my family. Even though we went to church regularly as a, 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 as a family, it was never spoken about in my family. My mum didn't even know what my dad earned. It was just a completely taboo subject. We never, ever spoke about money. And it created this kind of awkward, kind of difficult environment. So, of course, that went over into faith and Christianity. We just, just didn't ever deal with this subject of money. And so what happened was when I got into a situation where I'm doing, having to do things like this, there's just this kind of awkwardness and difficulty and difficulty to trust God. I could kind of provide for my own family, but suddenly we were talking about, as PJ said, real money, well, it's usual money, but with noughts on the end. We were dealing with thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of pounds as we went for this building project. Suddenly I realized all the resources that I had on the inside were just running out. And we were at this point where we were £250,000 short. We had two months to raise the money. We'd made this error in our maths as we were putting this building together. And on a Sunday I was like, the Lord will provide. <laughs> but by Monday morning, I was like, oh my God, we're going to go bankrupt. We might even go to prison. I think we've committed a crime. But by the next Sunday, I was like, God will provide. Don't worry, everyone. And the next Monday, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. Why? Because the internal resources just weren't there to cope with it. The, the stress was just too much. 
What does what does the Bible say? He is a double-minded man, and from the Lord he can receive nothing. Sometimes, in terms of finances, we are the block to our own prayers. If we're living in double-mindedness, we are the block to our own prayers because we're. It's not that God's reluctant; it's that our own internal battle causes causes the block to our own prayers. And then uh, many of you heard me tell the story one day. My, my daughter who was four at the time. She was witnessing the real me at home, not the Sunday. The Lord will revive me, but the, the real ah, me, that me. And she stopped me in the corridor and said, Dad, God has not brought us this far to let us down. And I was like, Lord, if you're going to rebuke me, please don't use a four year old. She's an adult or a book or something or an online preach. It's humiliating to be rebuked by a four-year-old. But it was a life lesson. It was the Lord putting into me something that should have gone in earlier. When I first got saved, Father provides. Jesus was getting this into his disciples. And, and again and again, you, you, you see, as he teaches that the Father feeds the birds, aren't you more valuable? Again and again, he's massaging this truth into the deepest parts of their hearts. My question to you, has it been massaged into your heart? The Father provides. I can tell you know when you, you you know when you repented, when you approach something like a gift day. You know when you've repented. You know when you think differently. I was last gift day. I was walking down the aisle there, and I said, "I'd like to say hello to someone I hadn't met before." And I uh, met this lady and said hi. And I said, "You look really happy today." She said, "I am happy." I said, "Why are you happy?" She said, "Because it's Giving Sunday." And on the outside, I said, oh, that's so sweet. On the inside, I was like, you what? <laughs> I mean, I was like, you what? I mean, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before. I'm happy because it's Giving Sunday. And I realized there's a woman who has truly repented. She thinks differently about finance. She thinks differently about giving. She has understood Father provides. The biggest barrier to our, give, to our giving is fear. Fear of not having enough. But once you get through on this one, suddenly you realise, my dad provides. He is the one who's got the resources of eternity at his disposal. And he provides for me. And suddenly the journey becomes a whole lot different. We recognise that Father is training us to carry his glory. And as we step out and take steps to follow him, he provides for us. Us. He is our source. That's the first leg of the chair. God is the source. Jesus is saying, think differently about your money. Think through the lens of this leg. God is the source. The Father is the source. And the second thing is this, the significance of money. We have to repent for the significant, about the significance of money. The culture says money is just that. that it's just money. It's just entirely practical. But the kingdom understanding of money is that money is in almost entirely spiritual. Money is almost entirely spiritual. Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. Jesus speaking again. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things that are your own? Mark 12, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts and a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What's the point? 
Jesus is saying, when it comes to money, God is looking at the heart because money is primarily spiritual. How can that poor widow have given more? Because what she was giving was not just the physical coins. She was giving spiritually. There was something going on in the spirit as she gave. And it's the same for all of us. I tell you, I have been slow to learn this. Uh, some of you were here a few gift days ago, but, but three or four years ago, I think it was. And as I was preparing the message, I just put down my, I just closed my uh, laptop and I just said, I hate this. I hate speaking at gift days. I hate speaking about money. I hate the awkward feel in the room. I hate the look at the people won't look me in the eye afterwards. I hate the whole thing. It's just miserable. It's the worst thing about what I do. I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. That's what I said. Anyway, I finished my um, message somehow. Got to Sunday and I was just in a bad mood. I had to do it, you know. I just knew I had to do it, but I, I just was not happy about it. And I think something snapped. I can't remember if it was in the first service or the second. But in the second, one of the services, I just was like, do you know what? I just hate it. And I just, it all just came tumbling out. Some of you were there. I'm not sure it blessed anyone, but it was really cathartic for me. It was, I mean, it really helped me. I felt so good afterwards. Not sure anyone else was that encouraged. But anyway, what was the point? Well, the point was, I think sometimes we just put this veneer over the top, don't we? And actually, God wants our hearts. It was a breakthrough moment for me because for the first time, I got honest. I got really honest with God over this issue of money and why. And he began to talk to me about, why do you hate it? Why do you hate speaking about it? Why why is it such a big deal to you? What's the issue? And I realized that actually, I was seeing money as almost entirely physical, practical, whereas actually, it's almost entirely spiritual. I realised that the reason Jesus spoke about it so much was because he wasn't really interested in money. He was interested in what the money gets to. And the money gets to our hearts like almost no other thing. That the awkwardness in the room is because there's a spiritual thing going on. That the awkwardness in the room is sometimes because of family history and sometimes because of toxic church history, sometimes because of poor teaching from the internet, sometimes because of just fear of not having enough. The awkwardness is all of those things and the Holy Spirit wants to get to those things because that's where real change comes about. It's when we get, some of you need to go, I mean, don't do it now, but later say, I hate hearing talks about giving. I'm tired of hearing talks. I mean, please don't do that, it'd be awkward. But, 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 but you just need to get honest with God about why. Where, where is the discomfort about this subject? Yeah, get that stuff out. Because it's when you get that out, then the Lord can get in. When we put this mask up of, oh yeah, you know, I don't do to me, yeah, yeah, for, no, that is just a veneer that stops God really getting to the heart. What's the big deal? Why is it such a big deal? Why, read some of these words and read them out loud and say to Jesus, I hate it that you said that. I don't like the fact that you said that. Get real with God over money because I'll tell you what, as you do, as you then let him speak into your hearts, you'll see the transformation. Why is it so awkward? Why do we get so defensive? What's going on? Where does the fear come to? He wants to get to that stuff in each one of us. The thing that Jesus is bringing out through this whole thing is he's training us to reign. He's training us to reign. And as he trains us, he uses money as a leverage. We are going to inherit the universe because our Father has the universe at his disposal. And he's using it to train us. He's using money to 
train us. He's training you and I to run. And the biggest lie that we believe is that no one knows what we do with our money. No one knows what we give. No one knows what we do. You know, some years ago, 2009, the MPs got busted with that one, didn't they? And there was this massive scandal when the Telegraph printed four million records worth of research over what the MPs were claiming. None of it was illegal, but man alive, was it grey. I mean, it was greyer than grey. It was about as grey as you can get before you're black. <laughs> £1,645 on a duck house. 55p for a Horlicks uh, sachet. I mean, just it was just endless. And the nation was shocked. And to be honest, the political system has never really recovered from that moment. Why? Because it wasn't about the money. It was about the trust. Everyone, the whole nation got a prophetic lesson. Money's never just about the money. It's about the trust that was broken in that moment and that they're desperately trying to recover. But will it ever recover? Who knows? That's exactly the same for us. Money is spiritual. It's not about the money. It's about the trust we have been entrusted. What sort of people will we be? And the lie that we believe, that no one sees and no one knows, is a complete lie. Because the Lord sees, because he's interested in this stuff. And the other lie that gets exposed in this story is that what I give is insignificant. There's an offering coming up next week, and what I give, wow, is it really going to make a difference to 100,000? Well, Jesus skewers that lie in this story, doesn't he? Whatever you can give makes a difference, because it's not just about the money. It's about the investment in his kingdom. It's spiritual. That's why Jesus warned again and again about greed. I mean, look at Luke 12. Watch out. Look, be on the lookout for all kinds of greed. Watch out for greed. Why does he say that? 10, 20 times he says, watch out for greed. Listen, in 20 years nearly of Christian ministry, people have confessed so many times about sexual sin. Why? Well, when you're committing adultery, you know it's not your wife. It's obvious, isn't it? This woman I'm sleeping with is not my wife. It's fairly obvious. Every continent I've been on, I've spoken in pretty much every continent, every continent apart from South America, people have confessed sexual sin to me. Guess how many times in 20 years people have come to me to confess greed? Take a guess. 50 times? 100 times? 10 times? Once? Not once. In hundreds of meetings, in hundreds of ministry times, not once. That's why Jesus said, watch out. Watch out. Because when you're sinning sexually, it's obvious. But when you're sinning in greed, it's a nasty one. Because you just can't see it. Your goodness just went to a hole. <laughs> or maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Which is why we need the Holy Spirit. To say, Lord, like David, look into my heart. Because I don't just want to follow you with my words. I want to follow you with my heart. Money is spiritual. That's the second leg of this chair that Jesus wants us to sit on. He wants us to understand... God is our source and he wants us to understand that money is spiritual and he wants us to understand 
But we have to repent and think differently about the ownership of money. The, the world's culture is this, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours, unless I can make it mine, then it's mine. But Jesus wants us to understand that when it comes to our resources and finance, I am simply the steward of God's money. And it all belongs to him. Again and again, he gave illustrations in this theme of farming, of stewardship. Stewardship, caring for someone else's resources. Think about that. When, you ever, when was the last time on your Facebook or your YouTube feed that came up the top 10 ways to be a better steward? How to steward somebody else's resources better. I mean, has anyone ever seen a video like that? No, why? Because it's all about how to make it yours. But Jesus again and again, if you were look at the Jesus YouTube feed, the Jesus Facebook feed, it was all about how to be a better steward, how to steward God's resources, how to be one is faithful with resources, how to be trustworthy with someone else's resources. Again and again, because the most important lesson in life is not how to get more, it's how to steward better. How to steward better. And Jesus wants us to understand this. And you look at the, the parable of the, that he tells of the stewards who are given, some were given five gold bags, one was two, one was one. And then the master returns from his journey and they give an account for how they've used their resources. And I've got time to read this story, but you'll notice as you read it, if you want to read it later, you'll notice from the story that the ones who stewarded well were the ones who saw their master in a good light. The one who stewarded poorly was the one who saw their master as a stingy, miserable master. And that caused him to steward badly, which is what goes back to the beginning point. If you see him as a good father who loves to give, who is generous, who pours out blessing, you will steward well. If you see him as an uptight, miserable father who's at a distance just waiting to blight you, then you will steward poorly. The lie that we believe is that it's our money, but Jesus says, actually, no, it's not yours. You are a steward. I remember uh, just this week I was in a meeting and we were talking about this, and we were talking about the Father. And I said, there's somebody here, you see the Father as a stingy Father, because that's what your Father is like. And God is causing a breakthrough in you right now. This lady responded with tears as God broke into her life to show her that he is a good Father. He's a generous father. He's not an uptight father. There may be some of you that need that breakthrough yourselves today. And, and Jesus is pro-investment. You know, I, I, my family never talked about investment. To be honest, I'm not sure we had enough money to invest, but it was never talked about how to invest. Jesus talked again and again about investment. Fascinating. At the last year, I had this whole period of a few months where I was having all these kind of crazy investment ideas that, that, that were just coming to my mind. I've never really thought about investment. I've never even bothered to talk about investment. And then suddenly all these investment ideas were coming. And then that Sunday, a lady came up to me and she said, I see a small, tiny angel on your shoulder. I said, okay. She said, he's whispering in your ear. I said, okay, what's he whispering? She said, he's whispering financial wisdom into your ear. I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa, that's interesting. So I'm wrestling and thinking about what those ideas were because it, it just made me think differently about investment. I just thought there's someone here this morning. You've always seen investment as a negative thing. I think God wants you to talk to you about investment through the lens of being a steward, not just accumulating more, but having more to invest into. <laughs> what does it look like for us? Do you see yourself as the owner, or are you a steward? And the fourth repentance, the fourth leg of the chair that Jesus wants us to understand is the blessing of money. 
you know, we've just got to get real here, be honest. Is it more blessed to receive or to give? Do you think you'll be happier if you, when you get or when you give? Which is it? If we're honest, all of us would answer, I'm happier when I get. <laughs> you know, apart from the ones of you who are really Christian, maybe I'll give you another answer. But you just read the Bible too much. <laughs> Acts 20 says this, And now I entrust you to God. This is Paul writing one of the earliest followers of Jesus, the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those who are set apart for himself. I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Notice that Jesus isn't saying that it's not blessed to receive. It's, this is not some kind of weird stoicism where, no, 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 he's not saying it's not blessed to receive. He's saying it's blessed to receive. It makes you happy when you receive. What he's saying is it's more blessed to give. You will be ultimately more happy if you are a net giver than if you are a net taker. That's what he's saying. Ultimately, if you are a person who is a net giver to the world around you, you will ultimately be happy. Heaven's economics are totally different. Because what happens is we get into this zone with the Father where, as one person once said, when he was asked how he'd given away so much with his millions over his life, how much, how had he done it? He said, well, I shovel in and God shovel. I shovel out and God shovels in. The thing is, God's got a bigger shovel. <laughs> Heaven's economics are so different to ours. And Paul writes, now I commend to you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. And then he goes on to talk about generosity. What's the, two, the link? Well, the link is this. When you get God's grace, you can't help but be generous. When you get the generous grace that your Father has poured into your life, you can't help but be generous. It changes us in that moment. I've seen that over the years, you know, as I've celebrated the stories from the prison of the young man who put the Bible in anger on his chest one night and the Spirit of God met him and he gave his life to Christ in the morning. I've celebrated that I got to give into that. I've celebrated the change in, as I hear the stories from the kids' ministry and as I hear the, the, the breakthroughs I'm meeting with someone the other day about starting a new business, as I hear the story of 35 people in the last three years who've started a new business, I celebrate they got trained and equipped and God inputted them something here so they could do what they're doing. I celebrate that. I've realised it's true what Jesus said. It makes you happy to give when you see it through his eyes. Think Differently. Jesus gives us these, these four foundations, these four legs to this chair. Think differently about the source. Think differently about the significance of money. Think differently about the ownership of money. Think differently about the policy of money. And then he goes on and you see the rest of Jesus' teaching is really the practical outworking. He talks about giving into the church, about tithing. Jesus was 100% for tithing. The Pharisees, the leaders in his day, they were, they were, uh, he was rebuking them and saying, you tithe from the, the herbs in your garden, but you've neglected justice and mercy. You should have done the former without neglecting the latter. He wasn't undermining, he was saying, give into God's work. Tithing is giving 10%. That was a radical thought for me when I was a new Christian. But now it's just become natural, it just becomes part of what we do, because I've learned to think the way that God thinks. 
Here's what I see. When we understand the mission of God, when we understand that his church is the, the, the hope of the world because we carry the message of the gospel, when we get that, then you want to invest in it. I mean, years ago, some years ago, Caroline and I had a massive financial disaster. About 10,000 were stolen from us at the building. We had no roof on, our, on half of our house. I mean, it was just we were in a financial hole bigger than we've ever known before. But not once in that period did we talk about stopping tithing. We gave 10% right the way through that entire period. Why? Because God had trained us to think differently. And we knew that he was our source. And that however we were going to get out of this, we did not know that stopping tithing was not going to be one of the ways we were going to get out of it. So we just kept on giving. By the end of that period, we'd been given double what we had lost. And the Lord provided for our house. It's just the lessons that we've learned. But I tell you, I've tried to be honest with you. It's been painful and difficult lessons to get there on our part. God has taken us through. Jesus talked about giving to family. You know, there's so many twisted views about family and giving to family. Some of you, you know, you're, you're, you've got a more of a Western mindset. What kind of family is, you know, they kind of leave them to their own resources. Jesus challenges them. You know, even on the cross. I mean, if I was crucified, and I loved my mum when she was alive, but if I was being crucified, the last thing I'd be thinking about is where my mum's going to live. You know, I mean, bless her, but she can kind of sort herself out. I'm in a bit of pain right now. On the cross, Jesus is caring for his mother and working out where she's going to live. There's a, there's a toxic kind of Western thought of it's just individualistic, just kind of forget your family and whatever. They can look after themselves. Jesus would soundly challenge that. Talking to an A&E nurse this week, and she was confirming what I'd already heard. At Christmas, there are numbers of people who drop off their elderly relatives with miscellaneous illnesses, basically just to park them in A&E in hospital for Christmas. That's what's going on in our society. She confirmed, she said, we can't prove it, obviously, because you've got to take them and be careful. But that's, everyone knows that's what's going on. And yet there are others in this room, you are controlled by your family when it comes to money. You're being manipulated. There's someone here, I thought the Lord said, you've got email even sitting in your inbox now with a manipulative email from a family member. You've come from a different context where family controls one another over money. Jesus challenged that as well. Kingdom thinking, when his family were trying to control him and shut down his mission, he actually said, well, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Who, 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 who are my family? The people who follow God, who listen to his word, who obey his word, they're my mother and my, my brothers. You see, there's a kingdom priority that goes beyond family members. There's a middle road here where, yeah, we honour and respect family, but we do not allow financial, financial control from our family. And then the poor, Jesus spoke again and again about ministry and caring for the poor. But these things, the church, the family, the poor, these are just the outworkings of an inner change. What's important is the foundations. We've got to think differently about the source. We've got to think differently about the significance. We've got to think differently about the ownership. We've got to think differently. We've got to think differently about our finances. We've got to think differently about how God is speaking to each one of these ways. Will we be truly happier if we follow Jesus' words? Is it truly better to give than to receive? We've got to decide these things because when we think differently about this stuff, happens is he does something in our hearts and then our behavior changes so often we try and deal with the outside behavior whereas Jesus says I want to first look at your heart I want to look deeply into your heart 
let's talk about this stuff, let's get real about this stuff. And then from there, we will see transformation. Just turn to your neighbor and say, thank God that's <laughs> Let's take a moment to pray. There's just the Lord is just wanting us to get real with Him, to do business with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you love us, that you are training us to reign, that you are training us to reign, and you're using money as a leverage to get to our hearts, to raise up sons and daughters who will rule the universe with you, who will co-reign with you. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you love us that much. What a privilege. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us into the revelation of the Father, that you want us to to go deep into this revelation, to know the Father provides. I just pray that you come right now and do something significant in us as a church as we prepare for this gift day. As some of us give in to a, 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 a kid's work and a, a PA that we'll never take part of, help us to realize the kingdom at working on it, that we're giving into your work and your kingdom. Spirit of God. If you felt the Lord speaking to you, you felt there's an area of repentance that you need to move in in terms of money and thinking change, just raise a hand wherever you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. We just say thank you right across the room. I pray from old to young that you would do a massive work in our hearts, that you would free us. Thank you that your words, though painful, they are sent to free us from the chains of the world that would hold us down to think differently for the sake of your kingdom for the sake of our lives just say come spirit of God thank you Jesus why don't you just stand with us then together just felt there's a number you just inherit, you've realized this morning you've inherited a load of toxic thinking about money from your family, and you just really need to, to change your thinking about that one. Just raise a hand if that's you. You've realized there was just a number of things that you inherited. Just say, Come, Spirit of God, we just pray for a release of, of, of the truth that will set people free. Thank you, Father. Just, just offer that. Just in your mind, just thank your parents for the good things that they gave you, but then just cut yourself off. Just say, I'm cutting myself off from that stuff. That was not helpful. That didn't. That is not going to help me. I'm just leaving that behind. Just Sometimes it's just helpful to put it in a box and just say, Lord, will you just take that stuff from me? I, I want to leave that behind. I, I'm going to think differently from today. I'm going to repent and change my thinking. Thank you, Lord. We just give it to you. I just felt there's going to be some release for some people around investment this morning. You, you've been in, I think you're actually quite gifted in investment, but it's always been mixed with kind of a worldly wisdom. And you realize this morning that I'm going to invest for the sake of the kingdom. Just raise a hand if that was you. I just felt there was someone God was particularly speaking to. Yeah, we just pray. Will you release investment skills from heaven? Will you release the angelic uh, information into people's minds, the voice of the Holy Spirit? 
We just pray, come Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, do a massive work in us as a community as we prepare for this gift day. Thank you, Lord, that you will provide for the building. You will provide for this new location. The main thing you're interested in is our hearts. The main thing you're interested in is training us to reign, and we just ask you for that in Jesus' name. We just put a hand on the shoulder and name, and let's just pray for each other, shall we? Pray for genuine repentance. Pray for a, a new way of thinking. Pray, just pray your best prayers. This is a tough one. This is a hard one. This is a deep one. This confronts us at a very deep and personal level. Just, just seek God now for their sake. Because there is massive fruit to be had as we become the types of disciples who aren't anxious or uptight about money, but we just have a natural, supernatural generosity. Just do it, God, we pray in Jesus' name.